Good evening, everyone. Uh, let me start this psalm with a prayer here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for this psalm, Father God. Lord, the emphasis, Lord, on your word, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for bringing us, Lord, to hear from you, Father God, to look at this psalm, Father God, from different perspectives, Father God. I thank you, Father God, for helping me, Lord, with all the preparations, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for bringing, Lord, our friends to this call today, Father God. Lord, be with them, Father God. Lord, prepare their hearts and minds, Father. Lord, help them, Lord, to be that fertile soil, Father God, who would receive, Father God. Lord, they have come, Lord, with expectations, Father God, to hear your word, Lord your message, Father God. Lord, remove, Lord, every distractions, Father God. Remove them, Father God, from all the things that they were doing, Father God. Help them to disengage, Lord. And Lord, engage, Lord, in this conversation, Father God, in this, Lord, session, Father God, to be able to see, Father God, what they can glean out of it, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would keep them, Lord, their hearts, Lord, open to Listening, Father God, and receive, Lord, what you want to speak to them, Father. I pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' name. This week, our topic is Psalm 119. And my reflections is, is from three different perspectives. When I read through the Psalm, there were uh, different research, uh, different papers that I read. I listened to different um, sermons on the internet and uh, some of the things just sat with me really well. And so I'm going to share what went well and how I took this psalm and how I looked at this psalm. So the three perspectives are looking at the psalmist himself, you know, his attitude, how he went about looking at God's authoritative word. Then the second perspective is the second section where I'm looking at how God is presented in this psalm. How did the psalmist look at God? And what did the psalm tell about God? And the third perspective is the word itself. What does God's word do to someone? What does it impact? How does it impact and how do we need it every day in our lives? So the first perspective. God's authoritative word and the attitude of the psalmist. The psalmist is in deep trouble facing his enemies and oppression. Verses 143 says, trouble and distress have come upon me, but your command give me delight. The psalmist is engaged in actively pursuing God. This is what Paul prays for the church. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ in 2 Thessalonians 3.5. It is a conscious effort on our, on our part, but that effort to seek God is a gift from God. So what does it mean to pursue God? To pursue God is to wake up every day eager to dig deeper. It is to be filled to the brim with God's love and presence and still earn for more. Finally, it is to commit yourself entirely, entire life to knowing Him. In this psalm, 
in this process, the psalmist is cultivating an intimate relationship with God. He reads his word, he meditates. You know, he says, I rejoice, I delight, I meditate. My soul is consumed with longing for you. They are my counselors. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on you. I hold fast to it. I run in the path of your command and so on. Which implies that he is involved in seeking out answers. He is seeking with a purpose, which is to discover something that he is invested in. He is seeking out those things which he loves. Those things he loves so much that they bring him delight. The psalmist turns every spoken word as directives and instructions coming from one who is supreme in authority. The terms used in this psalm, the synonyms for God's word in the psalm conveys the concept of the authority and its demand to adhere. The psalm looks at, the psalmist looks at every word as a law given by God, as precepts, statutes, command from God. He looks at it from judgment, the judicial ordinance given by God. He looks at it as testimonies that bear witness and that gives us assurance. He looks at it from the way, from ways that will help him rule the conduct. All of these are given to be strictly obeyed for our good or else to see how we are breaking it. The psalmist is displaying a right attitude in his relationship with God because he knows the author of these words. These words emphasize the straight authority of who has the right to give orders. God has given this law. God has given these precepts. So every one of them comes to us as directives. So the psalmist is showing an inclination to submit to those to God's authority. So much so, it causes him to delight, and he loves God's authority. The purpose of this psalm is to celebrate God's word. It comes in as instruction to his people. It needs to be given the highest precedence and reverence. It encourages us through every generation. We need to stay close and remain focused on word, no matter what swirls around us in this world. Living in the freedom and knowledge of God's ways Obeying his law above all else and keeping in step with his commands is the only way to truly live wise, strong, and fruitful life. In verse 48, the psalmist shares his emotional, worshipful response towards God's commands. He says he will lift up his hands towards him. He shows such reverence for God's command and authority that he responds with worship. The psalmist declares that he will meditate on God's statutes. Meditation is the process by which we apply, observe, and internalize truth as a working principle into our daily lives. So how do we meditate? We have to abide in him, dwell in him, living in, pondering, praying over, studying commentaries, listening to reputable teachings and preachings, and discuss with family and friends are all ways of meditating on God's word. We will only consistently do those things in which we delight. Like the psalmist, may we abide in God's word, delight in submitting to his authority and obey his word. That brings us to the question, where is God calling you to greater obedience today?
as you submit to the authority he has placed over you. What is your attitude towards God, towards God's word? There is a time and a way for everything. When it comes to submitting to those in authority over us, we can either be known for a bad attitude, for our bad attitude and constant opposition, or we can do it God's way and be known for our willing submission and humble reflection of Christ. So going on to my second observation, or what does this psalm, how does this psalm present God? How does it present the characteristics revealed about God? The psalmist says, God, God of the word. He says, he is the one who is the giver of law. He is the one who teaches us. So I'm going to go into each one of these sections and talk through a little more. He says, God is the one who answers my prayer. He says, God is my creator. He loves me. He says, God is righteous, faithful, and merciful. He says, God is, God is the one who offers salvation. And at the end of it, he says, God is near me, and he is my hope. Going to each one of these sections, God is expressed as the giver of law. Verses 1, 9, 1 and 13. God is the one who gives us the Bible. They are words directly from God himself as it is stated in one of the verse, all the law that comes from your mouth. We can trust the God of the Bible because he has revealed himself through the pages of scripture. God is the one who teaches us. Verses 12, 33, 66, and 124. Do you have a lot of questions or pondering or wondering what life means? Do you search for answers? God has them in the pages of his word. God has given all Christians the Holy Spirit to help us discern, reveal the truth, what the Bible is saying. God answers our prayer. If you find yourself praying to God and feel that he is silent, remember God is always listening and God is also the one who answers us. Sometimes the answers come later. Sometimes they come in unexpected ways, but answers can always be found in his word. God is our creator who loves us. He loves us. Verses 41, 64, 76, 88, 125, 159. So over and over again in this chapter, this theme is repeated saying God loves us. The very sacrifice on the cross is the epitome of love. And he comforts us. Verse 76 says, do you need comfort in your life? God is our comforter. He brings peace to our heart, especially when we come to him in prayer. God is righteous, faithful, and gives mercy. It does take time in the word. It doesn't take much time in the word of God to realize that we are sinners. We need his mercy and forgiveness. Thankfully, we have a God who is faithful, righteous, who freely gives us all the mercy we need. No matter the depth of our sins, God extends his mercy. Have you been pardoned from your sins? Have you tasted his mercy? Only when we receive or experience the depth of his mercy, we can freely give it to others. So the challenge is, 
are you reciprocating this mercy and forgiveness to others? God offers salvation. Verses 81, 94, 154, 166. Other than God's love, the most repeated attribute of God we see in this chapter is God's salvation. He offers it freely, without hesitation, and without conditions. God is our refuge, and through his Son, Jesus Christ, we have salvation. The other concept is God is near. Verses 151. One of my favorite verses is at the end of this chapter. It says, yet you are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. God is near to us, friend. He is so very close and present. Lean into God of the Bible and see how to trust in him. He is our hope. Hoping in God is a deeper sense of trust. Moving on to the third perspective or my observation. This section talks about the need for his word, its impact in our daily lives. Down through centuries, his word has had life-transforming effects in the lives of countless people from every conceivable walk of life. Here are five effects of the word from Psalm 119. His word brings us into a living relationship with the living God. <coughs> Excuse me. This psalm, <coughs> this psalm is a long prayer, a discussion with God. This discussion happens because of his relationship with God. The psalmist is talking about his situation, oppressors, and seeking God for revival. The word of God brings us into spiritual life and sustains us. Since God is the author of life itself, his word has life-giving power, both to bring the spiritually dead to life and to renew the believers. The source of such revival is vital contact with God through his life-giving word. If you know Christ as your savior, but are going through a difficult or a dry time, seek God through his word. God will use it to revive you. There is a life-giving power in the word because it brings a person into a living relationship with the living God. His word gives us stability in trials. This is the major theme of the psalm. The psalmist repeatedly says he was being afflicted. Evil men were persecuting him. But in all his trials, God's word gave the psalmist the stability and comfort. The psalmist is affirming both the sovereignty and goodness of our God when we go through trials. We may not understand God's purpose in our suffering, but we can know and must affirm by faith that he is both sovereign and good. His word gives us direction in life. We all have many hundreds of decisions that determine the outcome of our lives. Some are minor, some are major but they all clump together to shape our lives. In the complex world in which we live, we desperately need God's wisdom for our sound decisions. Here are a few quotes from verses 18, 24, 98 through 101, 104 through 130. Your command make me wiser than enemy, wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers. I have more understanding than all my teachers. These are some of the words the psalmist 
is dwelling on. He is seeking for more wisdom. God's wisdom and directions come from a thorough knowledge of his word, cleaned over the years as a person walks closely with him. His word produces purity in our life. Each of us wrestle with the problem of inward purity. We might be able to put, up, put on a good show outwardly, but inwardly we are sinners by nature and we wage war against the wrong thoughts, desires, and attitudes. God's word is essential to becoming pure in heart. John Bunyan said it well, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. If you will meditate on God's word and commit it to memory, God will use it to keep you from sin. Even if you don't retain it and think you are wasting your time in reading God's word, you are not. D.L. Moody said, the only way to keep a broken vessel full is by keeping the faucet turned on. Keeping the faucet of God's word running repeatedly through your mind, which will clear out the garbage and make you pure. His word gives us joy and delight. The psalmist delighted in God's word and couldn't get enough of it. He has joy. He had joy in the midst of his afflictions. Similarly, we can know that same joy as we delight ourselves in God's word. To sum up here, wherever the word of God has gone, no matter how pagan the culture, it had transformed life. When David Livingston was pioneering in Africa the last century, he offered to teach one tribal chief to shoot and also to read. But the chief declined because he was afraid that if he'd learned to read the Bible, it might change his heart and make him to be content with only one wife, as it had done with another chief. He was right. The word of God is authoritative, it is reliable, and it is powerful to change the hearts of sinners into saints. This psalm is a tuning fork to tune our hearts to love God's word more. Read the psalm straight through and pray that God will shape your life and heart to love him and his word more. I'm going to end this with a prayer. I'm going to go through what all we learned in this psalm from these perspectives. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your word, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for enabling, Lord, each one of us to read, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for helping us to research. Lord, meditate on your word, Father God. Lord, understand, Father God, your word. Lord, the situations, Lord, in the life of this psalmist, Father God. However he troubled he was, Father God. He relied on your word, Father God. He went to the word, Father God, for directions, Lord. He went, Lord, for instructions, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we all, Father God, go out from here, Father. We would run to your word, Father. We would look to that great richness that is in your word, Lord. Look to the truth, Lord, of your word, Father God. Thank you, Father God, that your word is a light for our path, Lord, a lamp to our feet that gives direction for our days. May our lives be faithful to living each day according to your ways. 
Help us to love your words, to hide them within our hearts. Open our eyes that we might see you, your deep and hidden treasures and know you more and more. Help us to run in the path of your command. Thank you, Father God, for setting us free, Father God. Lord, thank you, Father God, for setting our minds on your word, Father. I thank you, Father God, for the leader, Lord, uh, Eunice, Father God, who prepared this prayer sheet, Father God. I pray, Lord, you would protect her family, Lord. You would protect them, Lord, to hear your word, Father God, your voice, Lord. Lord, experience your presence, Father God. Lord, and presence, Lord, and the comfort, Lord, in every area of our life, Father. We thank you again, Father God, for coming to speak through your word, Father God. We praise you, Lord, and we give you the glory, Lord, for all of it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.